It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 398 for June 22nd, 2014. This week with version 6, Alien Skin makes exposure even faster and better. Adobe has released new versions of the Creative Cloud applications, and I'm impressed. In Short Circuits, a plan in Congress to defend net neutrality has no chance of success. Facebook's answer to Snapchat is now live. And if you think the NSA is the only threat to your privacy, you have another think coming. Hearing that Alien Skin has a new version of one of their products has about the same effect on me that ringing a bell had on Pavlov's dogs. Except I don't literally salivate. I found that makes rather a large mess of the keyboard. That was the case in mid-June when Alien Skin released Exposure version 6. Was that anticipation justified? Some people appreciate plugins. I'm one of them because I like immediate gratification. Others say that plugins are the spawn of Satan and that the only way to obtain an outstanding image is by using the old, painful ways. I have seen this unfortunate attitude before, with auto-exposure cameras, with autofocus lenses, and with digital photography in general. Real professionals, I was told, always use a light meter that's separate from the camera, or always focus manually even in dim light. Or always use film. Well, nonsense. Always is a dangerous word, and real professionals do what they need to do to obtain the image that they or their customers want. Sometimes that means depending on motor drives, or autofocus lenses, or auto exposure circuits, and any other kind of tool that can be called into service. Sometimes it might mean a large format camera with film, or a relatively low resolution camera in a phone or a plug-in such as Exposure 6. Tools need to be appropriate to the job you're asking them to perform. Real professionals have the experience to know which tools fit the needs of a given job, and because they're professionals, they use those tools. But really, it's not an either-or situation with plugins. It's not uncommon for photographers to use a workflow management tool such as Adobe Lightroom to start the editing process and then to apply effects from one or more plugins and finally to perform some pixel level editing in Adobe Photoshop. Alien Skin makes some of the most clever plugins you'll find. So I downloaded Exposure 6 a day or two before it became generally available and started working with it. Now I use the term work here because it sounds a lot more serious. In fact, I was actually having a great deal of fun, but to say I was playing with it takes away from that hard-working, tough, journalistic countenance that I try to protect. So I was at work. Alien Skin has been modifying its applications so that they work with or without Photoshop, with or without Lightroom, with or without any other photo editing application that accepts plugins. If you use Lightroom or Photoshop or PhotoPaint or any program that recognizes Photoshop plugins, Exposure 6 will work just fine as a plugin. If not, it'll work just fine as a standalone application. 
And you don't have to pick one or the other. You can use it normally as a plug-in and occasionally run it as a standalone application. The user interface is beautiful, and the program overall is quite a bit faster than was version 5. For my first test, I used it as a plug-in with Adobe Lightroom. Be sure to check out the images on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The left column of the interface lists categories of effects. When you select one, you'll see thumbnail images in the column. The thumbnails can be two columns wide or three, and you can pull the divider to the right so that they are much larger. This is really helpful when you're trying to pick between several possibilities as your starting point. Of course, if you have a photographic memory, you don't need the thumbnail images, and you can turn them off. I started with an image of a flag, trees in the background, sunlighted from behind. I took this at the Worthington Farmer's Market one Saturday morning. I selected the lo-fi cross-processed category, picked one that included a lens flare at the top. The lens flare looks quite believable with this image because the sun was behind and to the right of the tree and relatively low in the sky. Then I added an infrared effect with a lot of light blooming. This not only created a golden lighting effect, but also added a really dreamy haze that I like. In fact, I think there's a pretty good chance that I'll be using this image on next year's calendar. I could have taken a different approach. You'll see that on the TechBiter Worldwide website, too. The other filter I tried is bokeh. That's the effect that can be achieved with a lens used with a wide-open aperture and a cutout shaped like a plus sign in front of the lens. So all of the highlights in the background look like little plus signs. I didn't really care for that effect as much as the previous one for this image. And that's another critical point. You need to match the effect to the image, or as I suggested earlier, match the tool to the job. On this image, the bokeh effect simply called attention to itself. You'll find the final image on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Then I shifted to Photoshop CC, where Exposure 6 appears in the filter menu. I had a picture of my older daughter and her husband at last winter's delightful light exhibition by Bruce Monroe at the Franklin Park Conservatory. It's a nice enough photo the way it is, but I saw an opportunity to do something more with it. Black and white split toning seemed like a good choice, and I selected a blue tint in part because I like the color for this picture, but also in part because this was a winter event at the conservatory. Winter is cold, and blue is a cool color. Not like cool man, cool, but as colors go, blue is considered cool. Red is considered warm. This is true even though blue has a considerably higher color temperature on the Kelvin scale than red does, which is at the bottom. And we wonder why so many people think that photographers are just crazy wizards who speak in riddles. After selecting an effect, you can apply it to the entire image, that's what I usually do, and then click the Before button at the bottom of the screen to toggle between the original image and the image with the effect. Or you can create a vertical or horizontal split screen. I find switching between the two views of the full image is more useful, but it's good that Alien Skin also provides the split-screen option for those who prefer it. Those who don't like plugins sometimes seem not to understand that the plugin, as delivered, doesn't need to be the final destination. It can be a starting point. The right column contains a multitude of sliders that moderate the effect and a variety of additional effects that can be applied and then modified. For example, on this image, I added a border. 
The border can be zoomed, rotated, or flipped, either vertically or horizontally. Other borders are available, some for free, or you can make your own. After adding the border, I had an image that I liked, I thought I was done, but after returning to Photoshop, I noticed that there was a bright light in the background. It's probably important to note that Exposure 6 returns any modified images to your photo editor as a new layer. This is important because you might want to use the original image sometime, or you might want to create a final image that uses parts of the original with the results of the Exposure 6 modifications. In this case, I just wanted to get rid of the distracting light in the background, so I added a new layer in Photoshop and used it to clone some of the surrounding darkness over the light. You'll see that final image also on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Exposure 6 sells for $150, that's for a new license, or if you have any previous version of Exposure, you can upgrade to version 6 for 70 bucks. If you want to give it a test drive, just download the fully functional copy from the Alien Skin website. The bottom line is five cats. Alien Skin's Exposure 6 creates visual delights. Any photograph can be improved, and Exposure 6 manages to combine power and ease of use. Because Alien Skin's plugins now work as standalone applications, they are even more versatile than before, working inside any photo editing program that supports Photoshop plugins or directly from the desktop if your photo editor doesn't support plugins or if you simply prefer to work that way. You'll find additional details on the Alien Skin website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. It was clear when Adobe sent out a news release recently that cited the accelerating shift to mobile applications by photographers and designers that the next version of Creative Cloud would lean that direction. Well, it did more than lean that direction. Every single application in Creative Cloud has been updated for the 2014 version, and some of the updates, even a few years ago, would have seemed to be nothing more than futuristic wishes. Characterized as the biggest Adobe software release since Creative Suite 6, Creative Cloud 2014 includes four new mobile apps, some hardware designed for mobile users, updates to Creative Cloud services, and additional options for enterprise users, educational settings, and photographers. Additionally, Adobe says there are now more than 2.3 million users of Creative Cloud applications, and that's a number that exceeds the company's expectations when it announced plans to switch to the software rental model two years ago. The research that Adobe released highlights changes that have rocked the industry. The survey says nearly 75% of creatives believe that the industry has changed more in the past five years than in the previous 50. Approximately two-thirds say their role will change significantly in the next three years. Creatives, by the way, is the term we use to describe photographers, illustrators, designers, and others who are involved in making the movies and television programs we watch, the music we listen to, the books and magazines we read, the advertisements that surround us, and the photographs we see. 
Increasingly, creatives are finding that it's possible to perform certain tasks on mobile devices. Photographers, for example, might scroll through hundreds of images from a photo shoot to cull the dozen or so that'll be considered for later use. Instead of sitting at a computer, they can grab a tablet, sit in a comfortable chair, and scroll through the images. With the advent of Windows-based tablets, and particularly the new Microsoft Surface Pro, they can even perform some of the tasks that would previously have been relegated to a desktop system, and they can do this on a handheld device. The company has released three free apps for Apple's iPad. These are Adobe Sketch, Adobe Line, and Adobe Photoshop Mix. Although these can be used without any additional hardware, Adobe is making two additional tools available, Adobe Ink and Adobe Slide. Initially, the apps that were announced this week are for iPad only. Adobe is considering whether to create versions for Android devices. Sketch allows freeform drawing, and the resulting images can be pulled into other Adobe products, such as Photoshop or Illustrator. An artist would be able to sketch out a rough design in a meeting with a client or members of the creative team, and then be ready to continue the development process at a desktop system. Line is designed for precision drawing, more along the lines of drafting. It creates straight lines, French curves, and standard geometric shapes. The electronic ruler, Slide, is intended to work with Line, but it is not a requirement. And then there's Photoshop Mix, which makes it possible to use a tablet for compositing and masking. These are tasks that have never been possible on a tablet before. Photoshop functions such as upright, content-aware fill, and camera shake reduction are available, and the changes made in Mix are non-destructive, just as they would be on a desktop system. Meanwhile, back at the desktop, the new Creative Cloud applications were released late in the week, so I haven't had much time to look at them yet, but some of the improvements include these, for example. For Photoshop users, blur gallery motion effects that create a sense of motion in still pictures have been updated. Focus mask has been added to create a bokeh effect that's helpful for portraits. More content-aware capabilities are available, and perspective warp can now be used to create perspective changes changes that affect only a certain part of the image. For Illustrator users, Live Shapes makes it possible to transform rectangles quickly into complex shapes and then return to the original rectangle with just a few clicks. Another plus for designers is the faster rendering of vector graphics on Windows systems when the computer has an Adobe-certified NVIDIA graphics card. For video producers, well, Creative Cloud's video tools are undoubtedly the most complex applications in the suite, and there are a lot of them, because creating a professional video involves a lot of steps. Some of the new features include live text templates, high-end masking and tracking, and the ability to use After Effects while you're still working in Premiere Pro. Many of the changes are intended to make it possible for professionals to work faster, so if you're a video professional, you're probably going to want these new features. For website developers, well, Dreamweaver hasn't seen a lot of changes in recent versions, possibly because it already did just about everything a website developer might want to do. The 2014 version provides better insight into the HTML document with Element Quick View, and there are underlying enhancements in the CSS Designer component that make it possible to apply formatting faster and easier than before. 
Those are some of the more visible changes in the more commonly used components of the package. Listing all of the changes would take far more time than I have available, or that you'd care to listen to. If you're a photographer, you get a price break, though. It seems to me that the most significant pushback Adobe has received has been from photographers who simply couldn't justify spending $50 a month for the entire Creative Cloud suite. That's because they knew they would never use Dreamweaver to design a website, never use Illustrator to create a logo, never use InDesign to lay out a magazine, and never use any of the video products. Adobe's answer is Creative Cloud Photography. This is a $10 a month plan, and it includes both Photoshop and Lightroom, and of course Bridge. These are the crucial tools that photographers need without the parts that photographers don't want or know how to use. Lightroom is an outstanding front-end processor for Photoshop because all the changes made there are non-destructive. Photographers can modify overall exposure, contrast, color balance, and a lot more in Lightroom and do it faster than they could do it in Photoshop. And then they can export the modified image from Lightroom to Photoshop for final pixel-level editing or for work that requires complex masking. Adobe, of course, says this is a $9.99 plan. It's really a $10 plan. You may have noticed I don't much care for prices that are marked a penny less than what the actual price really is. Uh, once I've had a chance to look at some of the updates in Creative Cloud, I'll share my impressions. But based on the briefest of looks at just a few of the applications, it appears that Adobe has once again given creatives good reasons to spend their money on Adobe products. Oh, and by the way, Elements users aren't being ignored either. If you are a user of Photoshop Elements 12 or Premiere Elements 12, you'll find that those applications have also been updated this week. It's not clear whether the updates are just routine bug fixes or whether additional features are being added. At the very least, the update includes the latest version of Camera Raw. In short circuits, a net neutrality plan with no chance of success is afoot in Congress. Senator Patrick Leahy of Vermont and Representative Doris Matsui of California have proposed legislation that would make it illegal for broadband providers to charge content providers a fee for making better service available. A fast lane, in other words. Both Leahy and Matsui are Democrats. Neither bill has a Republican co-sponsor. Netflix, by the way, has already signed a deal with Comcast to pay for fast lane service and coincidentally has also announced price increases. The Senate bill might get a little bit of traction, but the House bill is unlikely to advance. That makes it a non-starter, so really don't look for any protection from Congress. FCC Commissioner Tom Wheeler has announced plans to hold hearings on deals such as the one between Netflix and Comcast because of concerns that allowing such deals would stifle competition, raise internet service prices, and create substandard service. One might note that internet speeds in the United States are already substandard when compared to many nations in Europe and Asia. One might also note that we generally pay more than people do in Europe or Asia. The FCC is still accepting comments on the issue. Have you expressed yours yet? 
128,000 people already have. That's about 100 times more comments than the FCC typically receives on any issue. You can add your voice at the FCC website. There's a link to it from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Slingshot is the Snapchat that Facebook was unable to buy last year. Snapchat allows users to post images that are visible for a few seconds and then disappear. That also is what Slingshot does. Slingshot is available for users of both iOS and Android devices. Unlike Snapchat, Slingshot will enforce a you-show-me-yours-and-I'll-show-you-mine policy. Users can send images and short videos to one or more friends, but to see the image, the recipient must share a photo or a video with the sender. Facebook says that policy is designed to ensure that everyone who uses the service is an active participant, not just a spectator. Once the image is no longer on the recipient's screen, Slingshot won't show it again. Maybe Facebook developers have been testing some of this on the main service. I've heard from several people who have posted images only to have some of them disappear. And I've seen this too on my own posts. All right, actually, I'm being facetious about that. But Facebook's image handling lately has been just a little bit wonky. The Facebook Messenger function already allows users to send images to groups or individuals, although they don't disappear after the recipient has viewed them. And Facebook also owns Instagram. That's another big image-sharing application. Uh, Facebook is buying WhatsApp for text messages. Facebook recently killed Poke, apparently because nobody could figure out what to do with it. You know, having too many choices can sometimes be just as bad as having too few. National Security Agency seems to think that it should have permission to view any communication sent by any means. And you may have concluded, based on media coverage, that this is an American thing. It's not. The British Security Agency, that is equivalent to the NSA, the Government Communications Headquarters, seems to have the same idea. A group called Privacy International filed a suit to obtain documents that describe the British government's policies. The suit was filed last year by several groups that consider themselves to be privacy advocates. They filed the suit after Edward Snowden released information about the NSA policies and programs. The documents show that the British government claims contact with anyone or any computer physically located outside Britain is external and, as a result, may be intercepted and reviewed even if the government has no suspicion that any participant is performing an illegal act. Additional court hearings are scheduled for July. The head of the Office for Security and Counterterrorism, part of the Government Communications Headquarters, will be testifying. Previously, British officials had said that they followed local rules designed to protect the privacy of British citizens. <laughs> Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the weekly podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. 
All music on TechBiter Worldwide is licensed under the Creative Commons, and information about performers is on the website, www.techbiter.com. I'm Bill Blinn, and if you'd like, you can also send me a message from the website. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you again in a week.